This video that you're about to see, for some of you, um, you won't remember it, but for some of you, it'll be very, very uh, special. Jen, can we go ahead and play that, please? Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. that are uh, a little bit older, those of us who are older remember spending our, I don't remember if it was Tuesday nights or Thursday nights, and we would sit around and watch Cheers, which was the big show, and we uh, talked about it the next day at school and uh, have bought it on Netflix and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one thing that was in Cheers uh, that I always remember was when one of the guys always walked in, everybody goes... And um, because walking into the neighborhood bar was a place where everybody knew your name. And uh, you do know that going to bars is not really about drinking. Um, It's just something to do while you're there. Going to a bar is about hanging out with people. Very few people go into a bar and just kind of sit there by themselves. They go to see people that they know or meet new people and have conversation. In fact, probably before we ever had therapists, the bartender was the therapist, wasn't he? I mean, the bartender knew about all your troubles with your wife and so forth and and so on. A, A bar has little to do about drinking and a whole lot to do about a spiritual word that we don't use too often when we talk about taverns or bars, but fellowship. It's getting around with people and being able to connect with people. And in fact, someone as as, um, influential in the evangelical world as Chuck Swindoll has written uh, this about the neighborhood tavern. You have that, Jen? The neighborhood bar is probably the best counterfeit there is to the fellowship Christ wants to give to his church. It's an imitation, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, But it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It is democratic. You can tell people secrets, and they usually don't tell others or even want to. Wouldn't that be good if the church was that way? The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because people has, excuse me, but because God has put into the human heart, the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved, and so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. Um, The neighborhood bar, whether it be Cheers or wherever, is a place to go connect, Uh, a place to know and be known, to love and be loved. 
as Dr. Swindoll said, an uh, inclusive fellowship, an accepting fellowship, unshockable. It would be good if the church was that way. Church was a place where you could know and be known, and love and be loved, accepting of you. You could tell them anything and it wouldn't shock them. They wouldn't judge you. It's a place to connect. And connection is what we don't do in our society nearly as well as we used to do it. We have more means to connect now than we've ever had before. Until about 1995 or so, we didn't really have email to connect with people. Now we have email and Facebook and can put videos on Facebook and videos on YouTube and we can text. We have more ways to really connect than we ever have had before, but researchers would tell you that we are not getting true connection, that we may have a thousand Facebook friends, but we really don't have any friends. Uh, Mr. Gallup, in his polling, uh, said that America is one of the loneliest countries on the planet. And it's because we don't connect with other people. I can remember growing up at 425 Wood Street in Maysville, Kentucky, and, and we had a front porch. Did y'all have front porches at your house when you grew up? We used to go sit on the front porch all the time. And my grandparents lived right next to us, and they'd sit on the front porch. And sometimes they'd come over, sometimes we'd go over, sometimes we'd just holler back and forth with one another. I mean, people sat on the front porch, and the police officers used to walk the beat, and they'd walk down your street and say hi to you. And people used to walk down the street, and you wave and say hi, and they'd be walking to the drugstore. And you had a lot of connection. Had a lot of conne- I used to think that we had this big front porch phenomenon, and I used to think that because you didn't have the Greg McAfee's of the world that had central air, heat, uh, central air conditioning in your home. And, we, and a lot of people didn't have any kind of air conditioning. So I used to think that you'd go out to your front porch just to cool off, and maybe that had something to, be, to do with it. But uh, notice we don't build front porches anymore. We build back, por- we build back decks with six-foot privacy fences around them. Um. I think even something as small as our garage door openers have fed into this inability to connect. Because it used to be I'd pull into my driveway, put my car in park, and have to get out and bend down. And Some of you don't remember that, but a lot of us remember opening that garage. And we were happy to do it just because we could put a car in the garage. But when I did that, I saw my neighbor, and I said, hey, Norm. And he said, hey, Mark. I say, hey, you better stop working in that lawn. Sue's going to get mad at me. You're showing me up over there. And we just, but now we just go, we just go straight in, closes down behind us into our fortress. Many of you don't know your neighbors. There's one I don't want to know, to be quite honest with you. We have, um, We've lost the ability to connect, or at least it's not as strong as it used to be. Um, uh, Researchers are telling us that we are 58% less likely in 2015 to join some type of club uh, than we were back in the 50s and 60s. We are 58% less likely to join some type of club. Rotary's club, JC's club, Country Club, Oddfellows Club, Old Fat Guys Club, whatever kind of club. 
We're 58% less likely to be able to, to join something like that. We're, 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 we're more loners for whatever reason than we ever have been before. Uh, 50, 43% less likely to have um, uh, dinner time with our family. It's kind of a sacred time. You're home at 530. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. And, but 43% less likely just to sit around and, and, and have dinners with our family. 35% less likely just to be able to have uh, friends over for really no reason at all. Um, they just were walking down the street and you start talking and say, well, come on in, let's sit down. It, you know, when you have friends over now, it's a deal. I mean, you have to call and invite them and email and invite them. It used to not be that way. It used to not be that way. And, and when, when we went to 1996, when we went and pastored in Macville, Kentucky, which is a little spot in the road in Washington County, Kentucky, I remember one of uh, people in my church said, you know, one of the, we were talking about something, what we really enjoy in life. He says, you know, I just like it when people just knock on my door and show up unexpected and come in and sit. Oh, I hate it when they do that. <laughs> We just are uh, not as connected as we, we used to be. Researchers tell us that we're um, people who are um, not connected, who are isolated in their life, they're three times more likely to die before the age of 70. People who are not socially connected, not, not necessarily talking spiritual, but just socially connected, don't have a good web of relationships, they're three times more likely to die before they get to be 70 years of age. Doctors will tell you that a well-connected person, a person has a good web of relationships, that, uh, that, that alone strengthens your immune system. Well-connected people are less likely to have anxiety and depression. We have more people on depression medication today than we've ever had before, and I wonder if there's a correlation between the lack of connectiveness in our society and depression slash anxiety, whatever you want to call that. I couldn't find really good up-to-date research on this, but one other stat that I have, in 1985, uh, people said they had three very close friends that they could f confide anything in. The last time this research was done again was 2004, which was 11 years ago. That was down to one. You felt like you could really confide in. <laughs> this, I think this is funny. Um, if you have bad health habits, meaning you do all the things that doctors don't want, don't want you to do, you smoke, you drink, you overeat, high cholesterol, so forth, and so just all those things that doctors want you to do. If you have bad health habits but are socially connected, you will live longer than someone who has good health habits and not socially connected. Research is found. So the moral of that story, it's better to eat Oreos with friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> and if it's not Oreos for you, fill in Krispy Kremes or Ho-Hos or Little Debbies or Twinkies or whatever you want. I could go on and on and on with, with the research, but you didn't come here for me to, to just to give you a bunch of 
statistics today, you, you wanted to hear something about God, and I cannot tell you that God is a connection, if you let me kind of say that in a weird way. God is a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in and of himself is connected. Before there was ever man or woman on this planet, God was connected. He was loving the Son, the Son was loving the Father, and the Son was loving the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was loving the Father, and there was a connection there, and we're made in his image. And so if he is a relationship, somehow we must be made for relationships. You know good and well, and I say this at every wedding that I perform, that there was only one thing in the garden that was not good. God made a paradise, and there was only one thing that was not good. And it was not good the man was alone, which is a fascinating statement because Adam was there, and he had communion and fellowship with God. And God said, that's not good enough. It's not good that you're by yourself. And so he, he created woman, and there was a first marriage. And, and I don't think we can extrapolate that and say that if you're single, then you're out of God's will. I, I, I think it just, it's not good that we're alone. Whether That doesn't have to mean that we have to be married, and it's awful that we're single. I, but I think it means that even if I'm single, I'm connected, and I have a web of, of relationships around me, and I'm not isolated. And it was not, it was fa- It's a fascinating theological thought. It was Adam and God. And the animals. And, and, and Adam had God's undivided attention. And God said, that's not good enough for him. He needs more than me. That's an amazing theological thought. And the ramifications of that, if you'll ponder on that. And he says, not good that he's by himself. The... Um, early church. Church started Pentecost. That's a weird word for some of you that are not a church people, but uh, when the church was formed, it was the day of Pentecost, okay? And, and on that day that the church was, was started, not the Nazarene church, not the Baptist church, the church, and the church is all born-again believers. The day when the church was formed, the Bible says 3,000 of them were saved on that day. So what do you do with 3,000 new Christians? I mean, we've got these 3,000 people that are now believing in Jesus, and what in the world do we do with all of them? And the the book of Acts is the history of the early church. And in Acts chapter 2, we found out what they do with some of them. What do you have up here? It said they devoted themselves. Who's they? All all the disciples and all the new believers, all the, the church in its infancy. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's, that's a connecting word there. And to the breaking of bread. Now, there's, the biblical scholars will disagree on what breaking of bed, bread means. They'll say, some of them say it means communion, or some of them will say it means actually having a meal, breaking of bread. But it doesn't make any difference what it actually means because both of those things are done with people. No one serves communion by yourself. You don't sit at home and just serve yourself communion. That's, that violates what communion is all about. Communion is about communion. But if it just means a meal, then they were together having a meal. They're connected. All the believers were together. There it is again. And they had everything in common. And people get all freaked out about that and says, well, the church... Jesus wants the church to be a bunch of communists and everything, they have everything in common. There's, there's, there's no 
You pull, you pull one little verse out, and maybe you could make some argument of that, but as you see the whole of the entirety of God's Word, you don't see anything like that. But they just, they just they were together, and they cared for one another. And if you had a, you had a problem, I gave to you. And if I had a problem, you, you gave to me. And we still, we still do that in the church. We just give, and, 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 and we help people out and choose for the shoeless. And we still do that kind of stuff. We, we have a 100% giveaway offering. We give away $30,000 at Christmas. We just do, still do that kind of stuff. They did it in a different way. They didn't have cash like we had. They, they, there was, it was an agrarian society, and they dealt in grain and corn. and They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had We still do that. It's, but you see the togetherness, the, the connectedness that they had in the very early church, the church in its infancy? 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. And that's kind of weird. They went to church every day. That's kind of radical, fanatical. None of us do that. But I do remember, I do remember being saved on August 29th, 1993 on a Sunday morning. And, and then on Monday after school, I was a school teacher. And after school got out at 3 or 3.30, whenever it was, I went straight to the Christian bookstore because I knew I had to be around Christian people. I didn't have any Christian friends, and I could hang around at the school, and, and I was the high school basketball coach at the school, and I could hang around and talk to all the coaches, but I knew that wouldn't end up going in a direction I didn't want it to go in. It wouldn't be conducive to my brand-new Christian life. So I just went to the only place I knew there were Christian people. Would be, it would be in the Christian bookstore. And I stayed in there three hours. Didn't buy a thing. I just read. Because I knew that if I was going to go out and do what I normally would do, that it would not at all be conducive for being a new Christian. And so maybe these people were brand new Christians and they had to get together a little more often and they had to have that for strength and accountability. And but they met, they met together. Together, is that word together? How many times? Four times now that word is together. Been there in four verses. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, connected, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's only There are 59, in God's Word, there are 59 one another scriptures. 59 of them that say, do something to one another. Here's just a few of them up here. And how can we do these one another's unless we're connected? We, We greet one another and we comfort one another and we forgive one another and we build one another up and so forth and so on. We meet with one another. We are... Be kind and tenderhearted to one another. We receive one another. We care for one another. We minister to one another. We are hospitable to one another. We pray for one another. And how many have been doing that last one? Steve, if you greet me with a holy kiss, I'm going to smack you right in your mouth. <laughs> but you still see that in Arab countries. Have you ever seen some of our leaders in our country go to visit some Arab leaders and the two leaders like Obama or Bush or whoever would, would greet the other leader with a kiss on the cheek. Still their culture. How can I practice these one another's of Scripture unless I'm connected? I'm, I'm connected. I've got to be connected. I mean, it's just it's hard to be hospitable to one another unless I know you first and somehow connected to you. Millard Reed was pr- past president of Trevecca Nazarene University, and he said this to a bunch of preachers. He said, Minis- listen, ministry happens in intimacy. Hear that again. It was a, really impactful for me. Ministry happens in intimacy. To really minister to someone, to really impact someone's life, you've got to know someone. 
How much I can impact your life from this vantage point is, 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 we could debate that. It's not a whole lot. As I told you many times, we can, we can accomplish more in 30 minutes in my office than we could in whole 30 Sundays of preaching. Ministry happens in intimacy as, as you know someone and as they get to know you and they trust you. And, and that's why, that's why, that's why when you bury some of your people as a pastor, when you bury some of your people and when you marry some of your people, your relationship with them goes up because you are more intimate with them now because you have buried or you have married a loved one of them and you have different standing in their eyes because that's something very personal and intimate. Ministry happens in intimacy. And I just don't know how I can be able to deal with the one and others in Scripture unless I'm somehow connected. Yeah, I come on Sunday morning and that's great, but that's not really connection. You know it's not. It's not really connection. Who do you know? Who knows you? Sunday school, small group. You help Nathan with fifth quarter and there's 10 or 12 adults there and you know each other and you get to see each other. You come for shoes to shoeless and you work with 30 other people and you get to see him at church. And you come to Manly Monday and you sit around and have dinner with somebody and you get to know somebody and you start working on connections and you're not a loner anymore and you're not isolated anymore. And you can go out and eat all the Oreos you want because the more people eat Oreos with together, it's better than eating broccoli alone, you know? Here's what I know, and I know it from 20 years of pastoring, and I know it from God's Word. If I'm connected, I will be more spiritually satisfied than if I'm not. Uh, How well I'm connected to a body of believers has everything to do with my spiritual satisfaction. Where it is satisfaction with my relationship with Christ or satisfaction with my relationship with a certain church. People who leave churches and just drift away, let me tell you, 9 out of 10, they were not connected. They weren't in a small group. They weren't in a Sunday school class. They weren't helping with kids, youth, greeters at the door, working in the nursery. They weren't connected. Nine out of ten times that people just drift away from a church, they weren't connected. Being connected is is a predictor of spiritual satisfaction. It's also a predictor of, of, of spiritual maturity. Think of a Christian that you'd like to be like. Think of some, a man or a woman that you said, man, that's the type of Christian I want to be. I can almost guarantee you that that person is connected to a local body of believers. Not just going to church on Sunday. They're connected. They're connected. Being a Christian and being a lone ranger are just two mutually exclusive things. And some of us have more of a need to be connected than other people. Some people are just really socially 
I don't want to say needy because that's a bad word, but some people really need that social interaction. You need to feed off of other people, and you are energized as you talk to other people, and you sit around and talk to other people. And some of the rest of us, we don't need all of that, and, 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 and we enjoy the pleasure of our own company, and, and we just don't need all of that as much as some other people do. But for all of us, there is some need to be connected in some way and if you're one of those people kind of like me that enjoys the pleasure of my own company I, maybe there's someone who needs you yeah, may, may, maybe you don't need all those you don't need that friends to really talk and give, give you feedback and really share a lot with maybe you don't need that but maybe there's someone who needs you to listen and to be healthy people we all need connections. Yes, some more than others, of course. But we all need some sort of connection. Yes, we're connected with our families, but deeper than that. I won't reach spiritual maturity. You won't reach spiritual maturity if you're a Lone Ranger Christian, if you are not connected, if you're not involved, if, you, if, if, if people don't know your name. If you don't have some really close friends, Christian friends that you just have a kindred, some of you older people remember that word. Remember we used to talk about kindred spirit. The old hymn said, blessed be the ties that bind. Ephesians 4 is an interesting passage. Let's look at Ephesians 4. So God himself, excuse me, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and some to be teachers. Now, why did he do that, Paul? Here's why he did it. Here's, here's the most succinct mission statement for a pastor that's in all of God's Word. To equip his people, God's people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may grow up, may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of TV evangelists. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, this body is, is, is the picture that Paul presents many times. Now, Paul starts talking about the body. Now, this whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that'd be you and me, joined and held together, connected, connected, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's a picture of connection. It's a picture of maturity. Your connectedness to a local body of believers is a predictor of your spiritual maturity. You cannot grow up, and I cannot grow up, into the man and woman that God wants us all to be unless we're connected, unless we've got people who know our name, unless we've got people who we can share things with. There's something missing in our Christian life. 
And this is hard for us Americans because we're individuals. Don't tread on me. We're individuals. You know, I've, I've had worship leaders get mad at me before because I changed words to songs. But, and I think that's probably against the law to do that because they, there's a copyright on all that. But I, I don't like songs that speak about I and me and my relationship with God. I like to sing songs like Our God. Our God. Because it's just not me and God got a good thing going. Me and God got it all worked out. It's all. Now we come to God individually. But we come to God, once we come to God individually, we are part of a family of believers. Connectedness is a, is a predictor of spiritual maturity. I've also already said it's a predictor of spiritual uh, satisfaction. People who walk out the door, they weren't connected. I promise you they weren't. I promise you they weren't. They weren't connected in some way. I got some more statistics up here. I found this from uh, in a book written by Andy Stanley. 82% of people who are satisfied with their spiritual life experience church friendships at least once per week. And I think that means something probably more than what we're doing right here because here we just look at the back of each other's head. If I had to design a church, I, I would have us meeting in the round because that's a theological way to sit. I know that I'm stupid. I'm a nerd that way. I know that. But we don't look at one of those heads. We should look at one of those faces as much as we possibly can because we're the body. 90% of people who are satisfied with their spiritual life say they belong. We talk a lot about being believers. Are you, are you a belonger? Are you a belonger? Oh, Mark's just trying to get more people to work in the nursery. No. Paul says it's his goal to present everyone perfect in Christ. And if that was Paul's mission statement, it ought to be good enough for my mission statement. And I cannot, cannot present you perfect in Christ. And the word perfect means mature. I cannot present you perfect in Christ to God one day if I haven't tried hard to connect you one with another. Now, I can... I can I can try hard and I can give you a brochure that's got 23 different discipleship opportunities for you to be in this fall. But connecting is a two-way street. And if you don't want to be connected, I can't connect you. Or the staff can't connect you. You have to want to be connected. And if you want to be a Lone Ranger Christian, you can be a Lone Ranger Christian. If you don't want to be in, in, involved in a group, you don't have to be involved in a group. Nobody's going to throw you out of church or anything like that. But I'm just telling you, it's my goal to present you perfect in Christ. And God is going to look at me and wonder why I didn't present some people perfect in Christ if I left off that connectedness part. He's not necessarily going to say, well, why wasn't John in a small group? He's not going to say that. He's going to say, Mark, did you make an opportunity for John to be in a small group? John has got free will. He'll be in the small group if he wants to be. the body this church does not resolve, revolve around me 
Do you realize how impotent this church would be if it revolved around one person? There's almost 600 of you here every Sunday. Do you know how impotent this church would be if everything has to funnel through Mark? Do you know how I would clog everything up? This church doesn't revolve around Mark. It revolves around the body. It revolves around you all. I'm just the talking head. I am so, so replaceable. If, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, this church marches on and doesn't miss a beat because this church is not about me. It's about the body. You can, you can pay anybody to do what I'm doing. It's about you all. You are the hub. You are the hub that this thing rotates around. If the, if the church is the church, if the church is functioning as it should be functioning, I just have the ability to talk. It's you. And it's hard for, for, for you all to be connected if you don't feel that sense of belonging. This is my church. This is my church. What, what we're learning for, for young people about 35 and under is, is, is that they want to belong before they believe. It used to not be that way. It used to be you believed and so you belonged. It's changed. Young people want to, want to belong. They want to know that they're important. They want to know they're not just going to be another notch on my how many people have I led to heaven belt. Or they're going to, not just a notch on somebody else on the attendance roll that I get to turn into the church of the Nazarene. Another. They want to know that they, they, they're important and they, they belong. And if they know they belong, then their defenses will be broken down. They'll feel more comfortable. Their heart will be softened. And in the process, they may believe. So who is it that we try more than anybody to make feel at home? It's, it's the new people. It's, it's unchurched people. It's unbelievers. Because they come with their defenses up because they don't belong. If you feel like you belong here, you don't come with your defenses up. You just come in and let it all hang out. Are you connected? Uh, let me cut you some slack. We got some people in this church like Mindy Christman, you know, that are has got a husband that won't keep his hands off of her and they're getting ready to have four kids in, in, in four years. I mean you know what you know what Mindy I mean Mindy can be connected some level, but she can't be connected a whole lot. She's got her hands full. Her first ministry is at her home. Her first level of connectedness is with those four babies. If she has any time left over. And so some people are on a station in life where they can't be as connected as other people can be. The people in the first service, uh, people that are grandparents, they have more time to be involved and connected. Some of of us are, are more busy. That doesn't mean that we don't make any time for that, but let's just be honest about it. Some of us are running around with a chicken with their head cut off. And maybe that's because we're not organized, or maybe it's the time because my husband won't keep his hands off of me. I don't know. And I got four kids in four years. And I have a priority at home. You've got a brochure that has 23, I think, discipleship opportunities. I'm proud of that. I think that is more than we've had since I've been here. And let me tell you, 
with 23 discipleship opportunities that you could be involved in this fall, if you're not connected, I don't think it's our fault. I don't think it's our fault. If you choose to be connected, you can be connected. There's Sunday school classes that meet in the morning. If you want a traditional Sunday school class, we've got them for you. Do you want a Sunday night small group? We've got them for you. Do you want a small group that meets on some other night? We've got them for you. Are you college and career age and want to be able to meet? Yes, we've got that for you. Do you like a ladies' Bible study? Yes, we have that for you. Do you like a ladies' Bible study in the morning or the evening? We've got them both for you. Do, 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 do you like a, 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 a men's group where we come and have a meal and, 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 and show a video and talk about it? We've got that for you. Do you like a deeper men's group where we have a Bible study and talk more seriously? We're going to have that for you on Tuesday nights. You can look at them all in there. There are ways to be connected. And I want you to be connected because I want to present you perfect in Christ. And I want you to grow up and mature in Christ as, as he wants us all to be able to do that. All of those opportunities, you can be able to call the office and say, hey, can you plug me in, and what about this group, and so forth and so on. We'll help you. Pastor Mike, that's his job. Mike's in Florida this week. You tell me how you hire a guy, and he takes a vacation right away. I just don't get that. <laughs> but he's going to be back, and, and, and he's going to give oversight to all of our groups. And it's our job to help you get connected, but we can't drag you there. We can't force you to maturity. And you've got to be serious enough about your Christian life to sit in, in, a, in a little circle of people and to be able to talk about your spiritual life. So you don't have to talk about it here. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to deal with it. You can just go home and totally forget it. But when you're in a circle of people, you've got to talk about how it applies to your life. Churches should care more about how many are sitting in circles than they do about how many are sitting in rows. But we don't. We care more about the rows. But we should care more about how many are sitting in circles. Because that's the measure that if people are really growing up in the fullness of Christ, like Paul talked about in Ephesians. We're busting at the seams in, 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 children's, in children's church. And we got, we got four and five-year-olds up there with 15 in a class and two adults trying to deal with it. That's nuts. It's nuts. You can plug in there. You get to know people in the children's ministry. You can plug in with Nate with fifth quarter and... And, and the stuff he's doing with the teens at the main event and UIC, there's so many places to plug in. Pastor Mike is going to be gearing up for some hospitality things out here with greeters, and there's plenty of places to be able to plug in. Shoes for the shoeless on Thursday night. There's plenty of places to be able to plug in to get to know people. And so you come to church and you just don't, you know people's names. You're connected. It's a predictor of spiritual maturity. It's a predictor of spiritual satisfaction. I want you to be spiritually mature. I want you to be spiritually satisfied. How about it, church? Are you connected? Do you want to be connected? If you don't want to be connected, why? Why? We, we, we do a pretty good job at this church, I think, of the first and the last one there. We, we talk a lot about being connected through God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and we talked a lot about scattering, being connected to the community. We talk a lot about that, okay? But we're talking today about being connected to the church and being connected 
to one another. The church being connected to one another. But you know, all that goes for naught. You can be connected to one another and everybody can know your name and you know everybody else's name. You can be involved in a small group. You can be here and there. And man, you're just little, little, little Nancy Nazarene just going around everywhere doing everything. And, and if you're not connected with God through Jesus Christ, it all goes for naught. And that's why every single Sunday we serve communion. Because it reminds us that it starts there what Christ did for us on the cross. And once we're connected to Christ, then the Bible tells us, tells us to be connected to others, to love God and to love other people is the main commandment. Connect with God, connect with others. Our ushers are coming forward this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I believe with all my heart what I'm preaching this morning and I believe that I will not be the Christian you want me to be unless I'm plugged in. And I want our people here to be plugged in. And God, I, I, I pray that no one hears this as a guilt wrap I'm putting on anyone. I, I just pray they hear this from a pastor's heart who wants the best for his people. Wants the best for his people. So, Father, with those 23 discipleship opportunities and with needs that we have in children's ministry and other areas, would you help folks get connected, know people, feel a part of this church, know names, have spiritual friendships with people in this church, and I think that'll make us stronger as a church. It'll certainly make us stronger individual Christians. So I pray you take this simple little message, but on a really important subject, and help us chew on it. Make good, positive, spiritual decisions about this connection. Pray these things in Jesus' name.